We are continuing in our series, uh, Deep and Wide. We're looking at a full picture of the Christian faith, or we're trying to look at a full picture of the Christian faith. Our river coming off the altar uh, table is growing wider. And we have one more week next week, and I'm not sure what happens at that point, if it just encompasses the whole room or if we just get to throw water on you. Uh, I was told I could, I could stand on it if I had to, but I messed it up in the last service, so I'm going to carefully step back off. Everywhere the river of life touches, things live. And this river is described in Ezekiel as both deep and wide, and we are called to grow both deep and wide as individuals and as the church. Last week, Pastor Stella introduced to us the concept of uh, a wide reach, that we are called to engage in the world, yes, even with the messiness that is in the world. We can't just sit in the sidelines and say, well, I don't know, that's a little uncomfortable, it's a little controversial, I don't, I don't want to be too close to that stuff, but we're called to engage. And the best example of that, Jesus came out of the comforts of heaven to live a life on a very messy earth right? And he did that for our sake. We're called to do that for the sake of others. So we're going to look at that today. What does it look like to live that kind of wide life? How do we not just have that as an idea and a concept, but how do we do that? How do we be a blessing as God's people? And uh, before we get into the scriptures today, uh, would you pray with me? And let's open up our hearts before God. God, we thank you for your word and pray that you would teach us that you would prepare us to hear something that would give us direction for how we can live into the fullness of the picture of faith you give us in the scriptures, that you would truly make us a blessing to the world around us, Lord. Come and do this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we have this uh, passage of scripture. You may be familiar with it, uh, where it, it names two substances that we as Jesus's followers are compared to. We're told that we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. And uh, there's a few things that this does. First, I love that this uses imagery. Uh, it kind of paints a picture where we can imagine what it is that we're called to do. We're supposed to be a substance that uh, adds some value to the world in being salt. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it in the message, uh, where is that? The message is a paraphrase in a more modern English voice. He says, you're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors on this earth. That's pretty cool, isn't it? The salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors. The way we live our life would enhance others' experience of life and being able to uh, taste God when they encounter us. He also says in the message that we're you're here to be the light, bringing out the God colors in the world. 
That something about the way we live would give people a technicolor way of living with the fullness of God in view, right? That, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, and it certainly shows that we have an important purpose. But one of the things, as I, as I looked at this passage, is Jesus is a little less concerned about the particularities of the metaphor than he is about making sure that we are useful. So look at this. Check this out. Just to go back to being the salt of the earth, Jesus isn't as concerned about which exact use of salt we ascribe to. There's a number of uses from uh, being a seasoning to a preservative to even a fertilizer and different. Sometimes we get wrapped up in, well, what does it mean to be salt? I don't it probably means all of those. What he's really concerned about is what happens if we lose our saltiness? What happens if we had a purpose to fill and we weren't able to fill it? Because if you lose your saltiness, uh, if I had some substance that's supposed to be salt, but it's not salt and I needed to salt my food, I wouldn't put that on it, right? If we lose our saltiness, it's saying we're useless for God's purposes in the world. And, and so what, what is this talking about? What he's saying, I think, to use our sermon series lingo, he's saying that we have to be connected deep in Jesus and stay connected deep if we want to have something of value to offer the world. If we get disconnected along the way, that's losing our saltiness. And so the first step to going wide is don't stop going deep. So I don't need to uh, hit on that too hard. We spent the last, uh, we spent three weeks doing that, but staying connected to Jesus continuing to open your life to the Holy Spirit so you experience transformation and having that community around you that keeps you close to Christ, that keeps you growing in the right direction. That's the point of being the salt. Don't lose your usefulness by disconnecting from God. What about the light? The light is a little bit different uh, story. What Jesus is trying to say here is not that he's worried we might lose our light. He doesn't say... Uh, be really careful that you don't go out. Now, he says, uh, you have to be really careful that you don't hide something that you have, right? What's the song, Hide It Under a Bushel? You guys are convinced. That's good. Maybe more convinced than the last service. Jesus is concerned with the light that we might have something of extreme value, something meant to be shared with the world, and we might neglect to share it. And oh, what a tragedy that would be if we had this blessing that we've experienced, this ways that God has moved in our life to make us have a light within us and we didn't actually go and share that with the world around us. I uh, grew up uh, in a family that did Boy Scouts and my sister and my mom did Girl Scouts. Doing Boy Scouts, um, when I got into middle school and high school, I got to do a lot of camping and hiking and eventually backpacking. And backpacking is so much fun because it's, it's really a challenge. You're, putting, you're carrying everything you need for a few days on a backpack. You, you are going up into the mountains. I did it in Southern California. So there's actually really mountains and they're like cooler air, very different than Texas. So with backpacking, there is specialized equipment. Every ounce matters. And the equipment you get, you got to get the right thing for the right kind of trip. And uh, my dad did a lot of backpacking with me. And my dad and I used to make fun of each other a little bit because we would go to REI, and if you've ever been to REI, you see the amazing equipment they have, and you're like, oh man, I want to buy it all, but you can't because it, it costs too much to buy it all. So you save up, and little by little, you're like, oh, I'm going to get this really good down sleeping bag. 
I'm going to get this, this really good uh, camping stove that is super light. And, or I'm going to get this really good backpack so that I, it's, it's very comfortable and I can hike for 15 miles or so. So my dad and I, whenever one of us would get a, a new piece of equipment, we would, we would come, make sure to rub it in the other person's face that well, you know that I have a better backpack than you now. Like, you know my hiking boots are way better than yours. Hey, I got this new stove, or I got this new tent, and it's four seasons. Like, we could do this in a blizzard, and it's way better than your tent. So that was just fun my dad and I had along the way. The problem was he had, uh, usually had a bigger budget than I did when I was a teenager. So he usually had bigger stu- better stuff. When I was in college, I had worn through my last pair of hiking boots that my parents' budget was going to buy me. So I had to go buy my own. And I uh, had a friend that needed some hiking boots, too. Went to REI here in Austin. Uh, my friend tried on some boots. He described it as, he said, these are like walking on a cloud. I said, whoa. He said, Thomas, these boots feel like a hug for my feet. I said, well, get me, I'm going to get a pair of those in, in my size. And I tried them on and it was, you guys. It was like, if I could imagine walking on a cloud in a hug for my feet, I was like, these are the boots. These are the best boots that I have ever tried on. They're Gore-Tex. They're going to hold up for years and years and years. They're synthetic materials, so they're very light. And they're amazing hiking boots. Um, I don't remember how much I spent on them, but I bought them. And I'm pretty sure I told my dad, these are way better than yours. Fast forward 10 to 12 years, and Tracy and I are taking a trip to Colorado to visit some friends from college, and we had a chance to, you know, to stay with them and then to go hiking with them, and we were so excited. So packed my boots, got there. The morning we're going to go hiking, I pulled them out, put them on, laced them up, excited that I had boots that were better than my dad's boots, so good. And uh, I took a few steps, and I, something was not right. I looked at the boots, and the sole had deteriorated and was coming apart and, and it just, like, half of it, like, wasn't even there anymore. I thought, oh, no. These amazing boots are not very useful anymore. They lost their saltiness, right? So I had to throw them away. But I got to thinking, you know what was even more sad than having to throw away a pair of used-to-be-good boots? To think back, and because... I lived in Austin, Texas for those 10 to 12 years, and they were hiking boots designed for backpacking in the mountains. I probably only used those amazing boots a handful of times. They mostly sat in the bottom of my closet, did not get used. When I got a house, moved to the hot Texas summer garage, right? I think that's what deteriorated them. But I had something that was so capable, so good, ah, I failed to use it. I neglected to use it for its intended purpose. That's like when we hide the light, when we hide the blessing we have, when really God's calling us to share that with others. And maybe that's actually the whole point of this teaching on being the salt and the light, is that uh, what God does in our own personal lives is not meant for us alone, guys. It's God works in our lives. He blesses our lives. He draws us close and deep with him so that we can then go and share that blessing with others. This isn't a new idea with Jesus, though. This is actually littered throughout the scriptures. And one of my favorite places we see this is Genesis chapter 12, when God is calling Abram, who will later be renamed Abraham. He calls a particular family to be his particular people, But he doesn't tell them that they are going to be his people and they alone get God's blessing. Here's what he says. 
to Abram. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. God blesses his chosen people for the exclusive purpose of making sure that they will be able to be a blessing to the other nations around them. And isn't that neat? So often we feel or we live like God has brought me near to him. God has blessed my life. Maybe I need to hide that. I don't want that to go away. And we kind of, we get stingy with God's blessing. I was uh, not able to go to New Room Conference this past week. Um, Some of our staff went to the New Room Conference in uh, Tennessee and got to hear a lot of great speakers. I was able to live stream most of it, so I heard a lot of the great speakers. And one of those speakers was Miriam Swanson. Yeah, that's her name, Miriam Swanson. She was a college pastor leading a college ministry, and she was talking about the importance of if we're going to reach college students and younger generations and people that really are not that interested in coming into our church buildings, we're going to have to rethink the way we think about ministry. Here's what she said. Our holiness is not just something to be protected from the world. It's something we are called to share with the world, right? The holiness, the blessing, the movement of God in our lives is not something we have to hide so the world doesn't pollute us or make us unclean or make us look bad. We're actually given that holiness, that blessing, that movement of God so that we can go into the world and share it. And that's what the motivation is for being a wide blessing. So I want want to ask, what does that look like? And I'm thankful that Jesus is not just a good teacher who teaches us with his words. He also models what this looks like in his life. In in a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 5, right after Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector, who was kind of scum of the earth for the Jewish people, sold out the Jewish people to fund the Roman army that was occupying them. Right after Jesus calls Matthew, also known as Levi, we read this. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They couldn't figure out, why is Jesus doing that? So Jesus doesn't say, oh, 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 don't worry, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing the sins myself. He doesn't come up with some elaborate excuse to make sure he doesn't look bad. He points to the reason he's doing this. Here's what he says. Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, what I see in this picture of Jesus spending time with tax collectors and sinners is this is a model for how we be a blessing in how we live, how we share the blessing that's in us with the world. And here it is, very simply put, we build relationships with people and we spend time with them. We cross barriers and we cross boundaries and we go spend with people that we might not normally spend time with. That's what we do. We build relationships, we cross those barriers. And you know, it's really interesting about this. Uh, We don't have any story in the Gospels of Jesus going to his local synagogue saying, hey, I want to know, is this a synagogue that serves really good? Because if I'm a part of that, it'll feel like I'm doing something really good. If the paid religious professionals do this and I'm a part of that group, then I can can feel the the good feels about maybe I'm kind of a part of that. 
He doesn't go to his local rabbi and he says, hey, rabbi, I felt a little convicted. I should uh, try to be a wide blessing. Do you have a place where I could volunteer in a program one hour a month? I really can't give more than that, and I don't want to be that inconvenienced. We can, we can laugh at ourselves as church people, you guys. We do that sometimes without even thinking about it. That we want to find a program or some way of feeling like we've, yeah, okay, check, I did it. What Jesus is showing by his life is this, this isn't something that always has to be programmed. Yes, there's going to be ways that pooling our resources and being a church body together, we can do more good, and that's good. We'll keep doing that. But it's also about the, the Monday through Saturday living, that every day of our life we go out into the world and every time we're coming into contact with someone, we are being a blessing. Right? And we, we say at the beginning of every worship service here that we're leading people to... Well, you, you, guys, you guys started in the middle. So, so we, yeah, we experience God's love. Yeah, and know Jesus Christ and grow in his image. Um, man, we start twisting around the order and seeing if we confuse people. You know, I think there might be a way of thinking where as a church in America, in suburban America, in our day and age, we might think about, well, we have a great church building and three great worship services every weekend. And so when people come through our doors, they get to experience God's love here. And that is certainly true for some people. But there are so many people that will never step foot in our buildings because they are just not interested in what Christians or what Christianity has to offer them. But you know what we have for all of those people? We don't just have three worship services that help people experience God's love. We have 600 people that come worship here every weekend and they get sent out into the world to be an experience of God's love for all they come into contact with, right? That is how we be a wide blessing. That's how our church can be a wide church because all of us take part in that. So if we're all going to take part of that, we, we got to figure out what that looks like. There's a group uh, in Austin called Bless Austin. It's a group of uh, churches and normal everyday Christians that have decided uh, this is an area that we need to grow and they wanted to provide a helpful framework and some tools so we could figure out what this looks like. Most of us need some tangible next steps. And so uh, if you're really type A and you're really, you like, uh, like step one, two, three, and then four A, B, and C, and, and then we get, you know, if you need that, go to blessaustin.com. They particularly do a good job of helping you think about and practice loving your neighbors well, right? So that, that's great. But if we're going to ask the question, my pastor just told me I have to go be a blessing, especially to those who are outside the church. How do I do that this week? And here's how you can do that this week. Here's a few, a few particular ways. First, you can begin with prayer. And we do this for a few reasons. We begin with prayer because there are more problems in the world than we can solve on our own. So we actually have to choose where are we going to make an investment, right? I can't minister to all my neighbors. Um, I can't even minister to all of you guys. There's, there's too many, Right? I mean, not one-on-one not -on -one effectively. So we start by just asking God, God, who have you put in my life that I need to be a blessing to? Is there someone, maybe a coworker that I rarely talk to? Maybe a neighbor that I see and wave at, but then I walk into my garage. Um, maybe an old friend that I need to rekindle a friendship with. Who are you calling me to be a blessing to? The other reason we pray, and this is very logical, but we don't always think about this, is one of the best ways to be a blessing to people is to pray for them right? We, we actually have that ability. That's like a gift that we have that we can share with others. We don't even have to tell them about it. It's probably more important, actually, that we actually do it. 
So some, some person that I know is going through something and I can, I, can, I can do a lot of things. One of the best things I can do is I can just say, God, help, help my friend as they go through this. Deliver them from that. Amen. We can actually pray. Uh, that's the first thing we can do. We can begin with prayer. The second thing, we can listen with care. When we're out in the world and we're encountering people and building relationships with people, um, instead of talking first, we can try to listen. What, what's that saying? That people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. care. We live in a culture that is plagued by loneliness and isolation. And I wonder how many people in our surrounding community need a listening ear. That's part of how we can be a blessing. The third way, this is the way we grow really wide, is we eat a lot of food. I mean, we eat together. So Jesus models this. The sharing a meal, a table fellowship is so valuable for building relationships and being a blessing. And I think in our culture, it is, it is valuable to share a lunch with someone, to ask, uh, ask some friends to come over, have dinner at your house, meet out at a restaurant, go enjoy good food and drink because life is shared over good food and drink. And that's something that Jesus did. That's a way we can share our lives and be a blessing to others that we come into contact with. And I would add, to do that with people you might not naturally do that with could be a, an extra step in trying to be a blessing. It knocks down some of those barriers sometimes. Sit and have a meal with somebody. The fourth one, serve with love, right? And as we get to know people and we start to pray for them and we might share a meal with them, we'll probably find some ways that they have needs in their life. And one of the things Jesus teaches us to do is to be servants like him. So if we see ourselves as servants, we serve not so we can get recognition or so we can get a pat on the back, at a boy, you're a good Christian. It's, it's so that we can love on others so we can be a blessing by how we live. All of that, I think, points people back to God. We're not doing that stuff to point people to us. We're, point people, we're pointing people to the love of God. We, we have to live it out. That last S, because I know you want to know, is share your story and God's story. And we're going to talk about that next week. That's going to be kind of the finale of this sermon series. Um, really important part. We also, we do use our words and our conversations uh, to share Christ with people. But what I would say about this, uh, this, this is kind of a process and in a lot of ways in the culture we live in today, I think doing those first four uh, is almost essential before we do that fifth one. Not always. God can still work in random conversations but most people, they're going to need to have some foundation of trust before they care anything about what you might want to tell them about God. What I would also say, uh, we live in a culture that is so skeptical of the Christian faith. We have to be extremely authentic as we practice this. I'm not asking you to start seeing uh, people as projects for your life. Like, all right, my pastor said, go pretend someone is my friend. <laughs> nope. I will deny, deny, deny. Um, I'm saying go make real friendships. And I know you can't do that with everyone. You're going to have to be selective. You only have so much of you to go around. And then it's going to take time to see results. It's going to take time to see God work. But over time, as you shine the light of Christ, as you share the blessing you have with others, God's going to use that. And God's going to use us collectively 
to have a wider reach in the community of Austin, Texas, when we all do that. I want to show you a, a video. You met some of our uh, prayer team last week on another video. Uh, Mary Richter and Gina Doolittle, uh, faithful members of our prayer team, were sharing last week about how prayer helps them grow deep. This week, they're going to share about how they had some opportunities to simply be a blessing in the way that they pray. Uh, watch this video as you be encouraged. Trunk or treat is when uh, members of the um, church will come and open their trunks and uh, get dressed up and hand out candy for community members, um, for uh, parents and children to come and attend. And um, we opened up a blessing trunk. And uh, as the children walked from different trunks, you know, they uh, maybe a trunk was decorated in Valentine's uh, decoration and others were spooky and, and some were just silly and fun. And our uh, trunk was just, a, we just had a little game that the kiddos played. And then we took that opportunity as they walked through uh, visiting all the other um, trunks that were there just to to give a blessing to the children. And it was uh, just a way to to reach out and to let the children know they were special and uh, that, that, that we cared about them. We have a beautiful church here and we have a huge community around us. Mm -hmm. And the community around us, a lot of them do not have a church home. So to know that we have Halloween and we have trunk or treat and we have so many kids that come there uh, for trick-or-treat. And we had over 800 kids that came. And we blessed every individual child that came through. And we feel like that was a blessing to plant that seed in each child. And that that seed will be watered. And it will... Uh, produce fruit. It was an amazing event. It, we, it was just fun. Mary and I were, didn't know exactly what we were going to do. We just prayed and um, definitely the Holy Spirit just led us. And um, the first several families had that look of surprise on their faces, you know, um, because everybody's looking for candy and didn't know they would come and get blessings. <laughs> so it was it was really amazing to see um, even the parents. You know, we would sometimes remember we would say, would you, we'd ask the parents if they would like a blessing too. Or we'd say, Mom, can we bless you? And she'd say, yes, definitely. So um, so definitely it was, it was such um, an inspiration to see. And the children, they had those sweet smiles on their faces. We were blessing them. Some didn't know, you know, and others were just, just giddy that they were receiving this. And again, you know, we just won't know the fruits of that, but we know we have, hopefully God has started something in their lives as a result of that. It's such a cool thing to see God use simple prayers of simple people to bless others. And what's, what's the greatest thing about that, from my opinion, that wasn't the pastors or paid church staff that were told they had to do that. Um, that was not programmatic. That was, I'm pretty sure that was their idea. And they simply prayed for a blessing. And we'll let God do that, do with that what he wants. I'm going to have Patrick come up. Um, I want to give you a moment to spend time asking God who you're called to be a blessing to in just a second. But, but before I do that, there were two stories this week that just kind of captivated me. I, was, I, I found out about some of our Bethany members who are already living this out. And so one of them was 
uh, a guy I was talking to who felt like God was calling him to rekindle a friendship with an old friend. This guy's in the middle of his life, doesn't play video games a whole lot, but his friend plays a lot of video games, and he decided, you know what, the way I can relate to my friend on his level, I'm going to schedule some video game time with him. And they, they did that. They reconnected. They've started to develop a friendship again, and he met him where he was at to be a blessing. I thought that was really cool. Another thing, I serve on the PTA of my uh, elementary school because that's one of the places God has called me to invest and be and bless. Um, and, and so I found out about some Bethany members who live in my neighborhood who are well past the stage of having kids at home that volunteered to read to kids in the library at our school because they could be a blessing, a tangible presence of Christ, loving on those kids, helping those kids, serving those kids. Those are just some of the ways but there's a lot of ways. How is God calling you to be a blessing in how you live? And how is God calling you to start this week? I'm going to invite Patrick to come up and just, uh, I want to spend a minute just uh, asking God and listening. And God might bring someone to your mind. And if God does, I hope, I hope that you respond by saying, all right, God, now I've seen. This is who you've called me to bless. Uh, Maybe God will put a picture of you doing something in your mind. And that might be something you need to look for opportunities for to pray into more this week. But let us spend a moment asking God to show us how we are called to be a blessing this week. God, I thank you that you call us to be a part of your purposes in the world. You don't give us this blessing for ourselves to keep, but you give it so we can give it away. God, I pray for all of the faces that came to our minds and the people that you have called us to be a blessing to this week. And as we move on into our lives, Lord, give us opportunities this week to practice this, this way of Jesus, the wide way of blessing others. And come and give us courage to follow through, Lord, not to waste the gift that we have, but to share it widely as you direct us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.